You're listening to episode 45 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field, and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer, and let's get to the show. This is one of my favorite stories of all time. Mary Latham is the girl behind More Good. So this girl took a 50-state road trip just to compile stories of acts of human kindness to create a book to donate to hospital waiting rooms, all birthed from her own really difficult story. So her mission began back on October 29th in 2016 when she packed up her mother's old Subaru and drove to the Orient Point Cross Sound Ferry. But really, there's a piece of Mary's story that had a sad ending. And from that sad ending, she started a new beginning. After her mother passed away, she was moved to do something, to make a difference, to start to focus on the good versus all of the hardship that she experienced and the hardship in the world. So for the last few years, Mary's home has been other people's homes. Strangers with a story who would welcome Mary in and told their tales of human kindness, someone who did something really kind for them or something that they witnessed on the street or in their own lives or in their own homes. And for the last few years, yes, years, Mary has been on this forever ongoing road trip to compile these stories. And along the journey, she's had her own bouts of illness, but she is so committed to compiling stories that are going to touch hearts. And it all started with a little conversation with her mother, and I can't wait for you to hear about it. Sometimes our purpose isn't necessarily about an idea that we can monetize or a business that we can scale. Sometimes it's about following our heart and making our impact. Today's review comes from Mama Marzio. Elizabeth really knows how to share growth tips and strategies in a way that doesn't seem overwhelming. Everything I've heard so far has been rooted in fact and tied to her real life experiences. Plus, her voice is calming and kind. Excited to see what else is to come from the Scaling Up podcast. Funny you should say that, Mama Marzio. I've never thought of my voice as calming, but I appreciate it. I don't know if my kids agree with that, but I'll take it. Let's get on to the show. Okay, Mary, I am so pumped to have you on the show today. And I'm just like blown away by you. Like I know you as the sweet friend in college who had this unbelievable knack for photography, but it's been such a gift over the last few years to watch you bloom into who you are today and what you're doing and the impact you're making. And I'm beyond pumped to get it into the earbuds of our listeners because they've got to hear about you and what you're doing. So welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So I know a lot about your story and I know about the really cool stuff that I see going on with More Good, which you started from the ground up here. But I know also the painful path and where this idea was birthed from. So can you tell us more about you, like your path to this point and what you're doing right now? Because I know people are going to, it's going to speak to their souls. Yeah. So I, after college, moved into Manhattan and I wanted to do wedding photography, but obviously cannot afford to live in Manhattan with a wedding photography budget. So I kept that on the weekends and I got a nine to five for the weekdays where I worked at a law firm, just kind of 
it was called the Practicing Law Institute. It was a continuing legal education where I was an assistant. So I had this nine to five where I didn't really have hours and hours of work. I had like, you know, a half a day of work. And so I would use that time to be building my uh, website, learning how to take online business courses and do stuff like that and kind of creating my exit strategy from this company. And then I babysat for two pretty wealthy families in New York at the time. And so that was on the weeknight. So I kind of did my little hustle to afford my shoebox in Manhattan. And I was working on the morning of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. And I had to babysit that night for a six-year-old. And I was kind of just sitting at my desk. I had just gotten into work. And I was open at my news and looking through it and just horrified, like I think we all were that day. And my coworker walked by my desk with a coffee from Starbucks. And he said, you should have come today. We would go once a week for the seasonal latte. And I said, yeah, I can afford it this week. And he said, no, it was free. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I kind of turned around and looked at him and he said, yeah, there was a man in earlier buying gift cards because it was December 14th. So it was right before Christmas. And he was buying gift cards for employees at his company. And he randomly just bought an extra one for $100 and said, run it out on the line behind me. And so all those people got a free coffee and it was just a really cool thing. Like you hear moments like that, like these little acts of kindness from strangers, but I'd never been affected by one. And here's this guy I worked with. He had just turned 30. He was so sweet. He was going through a divorce. His mom had passed away that year and he had back surgery coming up. So it was not his year. Mm-hmm. And he was a happy person. I had not seen him happy in a while. And so watching him, he was like, I can still see his face. He was like glowing about this free $4 coffee from a stranger And he walked away and I called my mom at the time because she had, she was battling her second round of cancer. And so I would check in with her every morning and I chatted with her and told her about it. And then I quickly switched the topic to the shooting. We actually, I grew up without TV, so there was no TV in the home. So she had no idea about it. And so I was telling her all the details and going on and on about it. And just how is there so much bad out there? And everyone is horrible and it's such a scary place. And she said, Mary, there's always going to be tragedies and horrible things that will inevitably happen in our lives and in the world, but there'll always be more good out there if you look for it. And so that was one of our bigger conversations before she ended up in the hospital for surgery for her cancer. And in that interim of time, it was like two months where a friend and I started a little Facebook page. We called it the gratitude project with two T's like attitude. And we'd ask people to send stories and like, you know, little acts of kindness they remembered. And 11 days after I launched the project, my mom ended up in the hospital and the doctor told us a couple hours, a couple days. And the first two days were kind of a blur. And then I realized I had to tell work. I went my three different jobs that I wouldn't be in the rest of the week. And I opened up my email. I had set up a whole separate email for the project at that time. And I opened up my personal email and there was a story from a girl who had lost both of her parents already. She was a friend of my sister's. So when I saw her email, I kind of thought, oh, she's checking in. But it was this really beautiful story. And I read it to my family and we were all like crying. And it was just, you know, it's one of those moments where here's a girl that went through twice what I'm about to go through. And she's still looking for the good and focusing on that moment of kindness that had just happened to her. And it was like this little shred of hope for me in that waiting room. And there was people in there alone. There was a couple in there divorced and their daughter was in her thirties and she was dying. And she like wanted to see her ex-boyfriend and the dad was saying no. And the mom was like, she's dying. Like, It was the worst week of my life, but I remember thinking in that moment still how lucky I was that I had the foundation and my parents had been married 40 years and I was one of four kids and we were close and other people in that room didn't have that. And I thought they need something in here. Like there's nothing in here. There wasn't even a bad magazine to read about Kim Kardashian's new nail color. So (laughs) I thought we could put something in these rooms with some hope. 
And so I kind of came up, it was like in the waiting room that I kind of came up with this idea where I was like, it's obviously my mom. Like she's the one that told me this and I want to look for this good she talked about and I want to take her car to do it. So I came up with a plan where I would take our car. I would drive to every single state and look for the good that's going on in these communities that we don't get to hear about as much. It's definitely not in the news. And I would kind of shine a light on those and basically compile all the stories into a book to donate to hospital waiting rooms so that people could have some stories to read when they're in there. Next. You say this like it's some just thing you're doing. Like this is so incredible and so impactful and so your mother working through you. And it's yeah. obvious. She's the, she's the one. She's the trip. I mean, I'm the messenger. <laughs> it's it's just amazing. And so, okay, now this is gratitude project kind of evolved. Now it's more good, right? Yeah. So I kind of took because of that conversation where she said there's always more good there if, if you look for it. And so I wanted to call it more good. It was kind of, you know, the gratitude project was the foundation, but I wanted to build off of that and do something. I had started the project with a friend. And so this part of the project was going to be my own where I kind of really centered it around what, what my mom had said. And so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't ask my friend to <laughs> take off it. What I thought would be a year of my life. It's uh, almost three now. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and I would go out there and I would kind of, I just decided I would fund it on kindness. I asked people if they had an aunt in Texas or a cousin in California. And I kind of just, people would tag people into those posts. I wear a shirt that says more good every single day for the last three years. So they would see my shirt and say, Oh, I love that. And I would say, it's a project I'm doing. And they would say, my best friend lives in Colorado, stay with her. And I do, (laughs) even though I just met them in a coffee shop. So a lot of random connections, people reaching out from local papers. I just stayed with the vice president of Subaru of America. He reached out. And so just kind of anyone that kind of wants to be a part of this. And it's such a range. I mean, you got Trump supporters, Hillary supporters, atheists, super religious people, Jewish homes. I'm going to synagogue. I mean, it is like run the gamut. And it's just that concept of, I think everyone wants to be part of something good right now. And so they want to get involved. I'm just like so blown away and been watching just from the sidelines for the last few years and reading the stories and reading the posts and seeing the impact that you're making and how you've created this movement towards something better and something bigger than us that people want to have their hands in. Three years. So how you're sustaining this whole thing on just the kindness of other people, the couches of other people. That's how this thing has kept going. That's what's putting gas in your car. Like, how is this working? Yeah. Luckily, more beds than couches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of them have guest rooms, which is really helpful, but definitely some couches and futons and, you know, it's taken quite a toll on my body, but yeah, I kind of just, I stay with the people. That's my biggest cost. So like hotels would have been really expensive and I wouldn't have really gotten the connection and I don't know where I am. So when I can stay with someone and kind of feel like, all right, here's a connection to this community. And I know the people now and I, and they know like stay away from this area or this area is a good area. They'll feed you dinner. So that's another cost that I don't have to worry about. It's such a range, the homes. So they're not always like this, but like sometimes, you know, the dad will, if it's a family, like he's checking my oil or changing my oil, or maybe one of them is leaving me a gift certificate to a coffee shop, or they give me some money when I leave for gas money. They're constantly like giving, like they want to, they want to support it. And because I wear the same outfit, it's like my uniform every day. That's a huge budget cost. (laughs) Right. Um, because you just have 10 shirts that say more good on it or a sweatshirt if it's cold. But yeah, I mean, one time I was parked in Texas and I cracked my windows because it was a billion degrees. And someone 
slipped an envelope in my window. So when I got out of my meeting and got back to my car, it was an envelope that said, I saw your site on the back of the car. Here's some gas money to the next state and a hundred dollar bill. Oh my gosh. And then I talk to high schools a lot. So sometimes I'll talk to a high school and one time I talk to them and this is probably one of the bigger times. Like sometimes they'll like give you a sweatshirt from their school or something sweet. But one school, there was a 14 year old that came into the classroom and she wasn't even in the class I talked to, but her teacher had been talking about me all week to them and like her different classes. So she came in with a bag from Trader Joe's and it had like some dried fruit and granola bars and a box of emergency. Oh my God. And it was like, and left a little note on it. It was like, I know you're staying in and out of strangers' homes and like your car. So like, here's something to help you in case your immunity must be low. Oh my gosh. Like, you're in high school. Like the fact that you're thinking about someone besides yourself is amazing alone. But yeah, it was just like, so those little moments, like I had to go fly somewhere the other day and my Uber driver, you know, we started talking and I forgot my phone charger as I left the home I was in. And so I was like, shoot, like we're five minutes down the road. I just forgot my charger. It's going to be $60 at the airport. And he said, well, we can turn around. And I was like, is that allowed? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm a nice person. So we turned around and he was saying like, just remind me how to get back. And I was like, okay, let me look at my phone. He's like, you don't know where you live. And I was like, so this is, this is not my home. <laughs> I'm saying I'm parking at a stranger's. And he was like, uh, explain that. And I was like, okay, let me get my charger and I'll tell you all about it. So then I told him and the second I finished explaining it, he was like, I want to get, I want to give you something like you want an Altoid? Like he was like, <laughs> something. and then he ended up giving me a really amazing story actually. But then on top of that, he was like, take my number, text me your flight information. When you get into the airport, I'm picking you up on Wednesday morning. And he picked me up for free and dropped me back off at the house I was at. It's 45 minutes out of his way. But it's just like that always happening. It's like, it's amazing. It's, it's overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and I'm very tired. But when you give people the opportunity to see the good and they want to be part of it and they want, they're excited. It's like, oh, she's making eye contact. She's smiling. She's not on her phone. She wants to connect. They're like all about it. <laughs> I'm sure you know this, but I just have to say it. Like, they they're giving you this incredible gift in their stories and in their hospitality and you know paying it forward and all of that but are you aware of the gift that you're giving them in giving them something like this to be a part of like we don't get enough opportunities like this in our lives to extend ourselves beyond our own comfort zone, to extend ourselves beyond, like you said about that 14-year-old girl, like she, I can't believe she was even thinking about anyone but herself as a 14-year-old girl. It's true, but that's not just true to a 14-year-old girl. It's true to people at all stages of our lives. We're so absorbed in our own stuff and the people that are struggling and you know, experiencing depression or have experienced loss or all these different things, when we have something like this to pour ourselves into and to give back to, it pulls us out of our own mess and makes us feel like an intricate piece of the fabric that's so much bigger than us alone. So this is not just a treasure that will be on the waiting room tables in the hospitals, which it will be, and it'll be amazing. And it's not just a gift allowing these people who are giving you their stories that will be featured, but like every person that feels like even I feel like the people who even see your car pass by and they realize that, you know, they read your message and they go to your website and they read about it, like they even feel connected to it. So the ripple effect is never ending. Yeah. I think I've, I've finally picked up on that a little bit more. And I don't know if it's because I'm a little bit more 
aware. Like, I think that when I started, it's like that concept of social media and all this stuff. And everyone's always like, oh my gosh, you should have a million followers and you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm an organization of one. So I'm the website designer and the shirt maker and the figure out where I'm sleeping maker and connecting to the communities person and, you know, trying to kind of do everything on my own. And so I wasn't as concerned about that, but it kind of always ate away at me because it was like, oh gosh, like, am I going to do all of this work? And then like some publisher is not going to pick it up because you don't have a million people following it. And then I kind of just kind of came to terms with it, I guess, a little bit more recently where, and it's gotten more exposure now too, which is great, but it's also like, it's not the point, you know, like if, if you can impact these people, I mean, I was at a gas station last week. It's like, what's more good? And I was like, oh gosh, here we go again for the 9 millionth time telling her story. But for some reason, I like told her the whole thing. Like it wasn't even just, this is a trip to collect stories. Like I told her the whole thing and we were there for 10 minutes. And then she, you know, she just kind of smiled and she looked kind of emotional. So I wasn't going to push it, but she was like, thank you. And got in her car and I gave her the little card and she emailed me that night and said, you know, you have no idea how much I needed this. My nephew was killed in a car accident a couple of weeks ago and I have not been able to move past it. And you were like an angel that I found today. And it was just like those little moments. It's kind of like it it's almost like it's hard not to tell every single person you meet because everyone has a story. Everyone needs this right now. And it's kind of like I'm depleting my own energy, but if you can put it out there and, and get these people to know that there is a lot of good out there. I mean, I've been in 146 strangers homes and I don't have one bad story to tell you. I mean, mm. for sure guest rooms I'd return to and guest rooms I won or couches I wouldn't just because they were comfy or you know, it was more of a struggle to get them on board. But every person's been amazing. And I think every person has played a role. There's a reason I'm in every home I'm in. Oh, absolutely. And oh my goodness, it's just, all right. So you kind of like nonchalantly breezed over like, oh yeah, I just had to take a flight the other day. Where were you going, Mary? (laughs) So I got a Facebook message the other day from a man named Carl that said, Hey, I'd love to hear more about your story. I'm a producer for the Kelly Clarkson show and it would be great to talk to you. And I was like, no, this is obviously not real because you messaged me on Facebook. Right. (laughs) And it was hiding in the other inbox, you know? Yeah. So I gave him my number and said, sure, call. And I looked him up on LinkedIn and he was a producer for the show. So I was like, oh, maybe. (laughs) And so he ended up calling the next day. And again, like, I don't get hyped up about these things. People are constantly connecting me to things and telling me maybe this will work or that will work. And then, you know, it doesn't work. So I don't like get my hopes up for those stuff. And so he ended up calling and it actually all kind of came together last minute. And so I took a red eye to LA and got to go on the show and it was really cool. Um, She's amazing. Kelly is so relatable and so nice. I mean, mm. not relatable in the singing talent because I have none of that, but <laughs> she's so real. Like she was like crying and happy and like really took the time to like, no, I mean, you only have a couple minutes of there because you're sitting on the couch and then you get dismissed basically. But for the time you were there, like I could tell she was really about it and, and loved it. And so it was a very special experience. And it was really awesome that on the way and just the way that the universe connects all this stuff, it's ridiculous. So for people that don't know Kelly Clarkson's story, her father pretty much walked out on her and her family when they were sick, when she was six. And she has like a really powerful song about that called Piece by Piece that I can't listen to without crying. And, um, but then again, I'm crying all the time, so there's nothing new. But yeah, she, he kind of abandoned their family. And then I think he came back at some point when she like made it big and asked for money or something. I don't know that what happened. But here I am in this Uber ride on the way to the airport. And my Uber driver starts telling me all about how when he was, I think he was seven, his father, he was in the bathroom shaving and getting ready to go out somewhere. And then he was going to pick his son up at four o'clock and they were going to go to a baseball game. And he left that day and never came back. 
And the guy was like, you know, that's the last memory I have is him shaving in the bathroom. His mom and dad were from Greece. So his mom didn't have any family there. She had come to America and had no one. She was six months pregnant and had a seven-year-old and her husband just left. And no one knew what had happened. And like the family would talk like, oh, he's in, you know, Minnesota now. And now he's in Texas and he has two daughters. And, but they never, he never saw him again. And so he said he was at a liquor store when he was about 14 years old and he was going to ask someone to get him some liquor. And so he went over to this man, he gave him some money and asked him to get him something. And the guy was like, why are you drinking, man? How old are you? And he was like, you know, I'm, I just want to drink. Like I'm having a, it's been a hard time. And he was like, what's going on? And he just like really started talking to him and he kind of told him about his dad and stuff. And he said, you know, you cannot let your past define like who you're going to be now. Like you can be the bigger person. You can help your mom. I mean, she probably needs a lot of help right now and this or that. They had this like whole life talk outside the liquor store. And he said something switched in me that day. And I went home and I got a job at a local deli. I started, you know, giving my mom money. I started helping her out full time. And I mean, it just changed my life. And it was so weird to me because I'm like, here I am going to meet this person who had such a, I mean, not the liquor store part, but like her father walked out around the same age and now I'm in this Uber and now he's offering to pick me up for free. And like, you know, like such a dad, like he's like making sure I'm okay. Texted when I got to LA, like, is everything okay? Are you safely there? Did they pick you up? Like he just knew me for 45 minutes of my life. And he's like checking in and always worried about me now. But like, it was just, that was an exciting thing. Cause yeah, I've worked my butt off to like get on these things. Now I'm at like, someone was like, how'd you get on the today show? It's like, well, they called me, (laughs) you know, but it's also like, but I also work my butt off for three years, every single second of every single day in strangers homes with strangers, every moment of my life. So it's like, you're just been, I've just been on since 2016. Do you take breaks? Like what do you do to, or do you build in white space into this travel? Cause I know like you're operating out of your car. Home base is what, New York? Home base is the car, but my family is in New York on mm-hmm. the end of Long Island. So like right now I'm at my sister's because I had to come home for a family wedding before I fly out to Alaska. But probably about 10 times I've parked my car in a stranger's driveway or in their garage and they drop me off at the airport and I fly back to New York for a week or two and shoot weddings. So I guess that would be white space in a way, but it's boring. not really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you're always kind of like figuring out your next move and stuff. So I'm not very good at white space. It's taken quite a toll on my health. I have a bunch of health issues just because I didn't take care of myself on the trip. So I recommend that to all the listeners. Self-care is not selfish. So, you know, really practice it. But yeah, I have Lyme disease. So that's been challenging, but also very eye-opening on my journey because it makes you very empathetic of all these stories that you hear and what people are going through. You realize, okay, well, this is frustrating and challenging and another issue, but also I have my legs. So, you know, I can walk to the doctor and get some medicine on like half the people I meet that don't have legs and are, you know, getting up every day and motivating people. So once you see all these other stories out there and meet all these other people, it's a really good punch in the face of perspective. Yeah. Perspective is everything though. Cause um, Michael and I, my husband and I were talking last night, we were out on the deck and just just kind of like talking through the day, the kids have finally gone to bed. And I said to him, you know, everything, everything for everyone, it just comes down to perspective. The whole grass is always greener thing is at the core of who we are as humans. And I don't, I maybe know one person in my whole, every interaction I've ever had, maybe one person who doesn't operate from that grass is greener thing. Like there's always just something else that we want that somebody has else has. And then you do something like this. 
and you start to receive this perspective back into your life and you've like busted your butt to go through these three years to put this together for other people, but you're getting a gift that so few people will ever have. Like we will never fully understand the perspective at the level that you are going to understand it having met and written about and experiencing all these people and all these stories. Yeah, no, it's definitely been, which is like a blessing and a curse. <laughs> right. Now I'm always like, when you listen to your friends complain, you're like, oh my God, really? <laughs> so it's, it's a balance. But yeah, no, I think, you know, especially the last few homes, like the last two homes I just stayed in, they gave me a key and we're like, do not give this back. Like, this is your key now. You show wow. it back at our house today and we get home from work and you're on the couch. It's going to be awesome. I saw um, your um, picture from the other day when you were traveling and with the sweatshirt that they gave you, the family that they yeah. wrote on the sleeves. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah. So that was the super guy actually who gave me his key. They were really, really a wonderful family. And when I first got there, the dad was there, the mom, the daughter, and you know, they look like this perfect family, but of course they've had their challenges and it was really hard for them to have a child and all these things, which you see because you're behind closed doors with them and they're telling you these things, which makes it a lot more intimate than, you know, if I had just talk to them on the phone about their story or whatever. And not all the people I stay with, they're not necessarily stories. They're just offering shelter. And then I walk around and, and collect the stories. But yeah, he had reached out. He offered to host me and he, we had a barbecue the first night and then he had to go to work in Colorado for the next two days. And I was only supposed to be there for two more days. Well, he took my car into work so that it would get fixed. And of course there was an oil leak and my engine was close to seizing. So the car would have died in the last couple of weeks of the trip, which oh, no. was very terrible. So obviously I was meant to get there and meant to get that car in the shop. So I had to stay a couple extra days. And so he got home from the work trip and was actually there and brought me into work on that Friday. We got my car and then I was leaving and, you know, I'm saying goodbye to some of the people at his work and like joking around because he started leaving before I did. He was going to walk me downstairs and I made this joke like, oh, he just doesn't want you guys to see him cry when I leave, like making a funny joke. Cause it's like this corporate top, you know, person at the company and everything. And so we walk outside and he was telling me goodbye and he literally started crying. <laughs> Called and it. I was like, I didn't even know how to handle it. I was like, so I think there are moments where I'm like, well, I knew there was a really strong connection. I knew that me and this family, like we're going to stay in touch with FaceTime last night. You know, we <laughs> just like love each other, but I didn't realize. And he wrote like a really beautiful post on Facebook about me staying there and the ending the concept of it was basically, and like, I'm not going to repost this stuff because it's like, look at me, you know, like, but I'll explain to you. It said something along the lines of here's this person trying to go out there and collect stories of acts of kindness, but she's actually the act of kindness after all, or something like that. I don't know. He wrote this really thing and it was really sweet. And I guess I just didn't realize like, you know, they had been having a really hard summer. His wife's been really sick, like all these issues that you would never know if you saw them walking down the street or if I met them for lunch because they look perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of us. I mean, there's so much underlying stuff and we're all hiding behind our perfect Instagram photos. And, you know, I think that when we dig a little deeper, especially in the communities where I thought that I would get to these houses and they would say like, here's stories over here. This person does this or this or that. 80% of it, they don't know what's going on in their community. I'm getting to their community. I'm digging up stories and I'm bringing them home and telling them about them. Maybe this person takes people to grocery stores because the grocery stores are so far away for these older people. And now my host is volunteering and helping her do that too. You know, they're getting involved, but they don't even know. I mean, I met this guy who donates, he's donated 62,000 bags to foster kids because they all carry their trash bags around and it's horrible. 
Mm-hmm. He makes these duffel bags and puts blankets and pajamas and all this stuff in for foster kids because he grew up as a foster kid in a horrific life. And so he's done all this. He's been on the Ellen Show, the Today Show, 62,000 bags. And, I, and he's from Maryland. And I said, Rob, every person in Maryland this week is not going to know about you. And I'm going to tell them. But it's just, that's what's the crazy thing. And every single person I talked to in Maryland that week did not know about him. Hmm. And it's like, this stuff is going on all around us. And we just... We're looking at our phone or we're looking at the yeah. news, but we might as well watch a horror movie. And, you know, it's just, we're not seeing it. And so she was right. We have to look for it, <laughs> but it is out there. And it's almost like this concept of when you're a kid and like, you know, your dad tells you, you can't go out because it's a school night. And you're like, yeah, God, my dad's being a real pain. And then your friend is like, yeah, your dad's such a pain. And you're like, whoa, like I can say that. You may not say that about my father. It, that's how I feel with the country. Everyone's like, everything is horrible. Everyone's a bad person. Everything's just terrible and this and that. It's like, really? Do you know everyone in the country? Do you know even the people in your community that are helping? Like people are working tirelessly for all of these causes and helping people. And you're just sitting home being part of the problem, watching the news and complaining. Ah, oh, bingo. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. We're too busy and too caught up in like first of all, like allowing the media to dictate like our brains, like we're not, you know, they're feeding us the stuff that's going to get that rise out of us versus the stuff that's going to rise us up. And it's such a difference. And the stuff that you're bringing to us is like right in our own backyard and we might not know. And it's a lot of the people that would never like toot their own horn. And it's awesome that you're tooting it for them so that (laughs) their message can get out there because more than anything, it's inspiring more people to get up off their butt and do something. And I think that like, you know, a lot of the people that we have on, we're talking about business and this and that and how to monetize and grow and scale. And it's like, just do what's on your heart. Like just do more good. Just do what you feel called to do. And it will turn into whatever it's meant to turn into, whether it ends up bringing in an income for you or an impact on the world, it doesn't matter. And so often we get caught up and we, we harbor these ideas and these visions and these dreams and we don't do anything with them. And then at the end of our life, we have to look back on it and say, oh, it would have been nice if I actually did something with that opportunity that God gave me to live on this earth for this limited period of time. But instead, I decided to dream about it or think about it or watch everyone else do it or complain about something. And just these actions you were taking, I mean, like that day you packed up your mother's Subaru in 2016, did you, I know you didn't think it was going to take three years, but like, where did you see it going on that day one? When you got in your car, where'd you go first? And like, what were you thinking? So... My three best friends since I was three years old, my sisters and my dad were all with me and they, my girlfriends brought champagne. And so we were in the like ferry line because my first stop was getting on the ferry and going to Connecticut. And so we're all on the ferry line and they're like popping the champagne and there's like cars all around us, but they don't care. And we're like having our champagne and like my best friend said these like sweet little toasts. And she's like, my best friend is so amazing. By the way, she lost 133 pounds. What? And she lost a human? She lost a human. Me. I stepped out of her body <laughs> and she was on the Today Show the same month as me. So no way. It was, it was very exciting for both of us. We looked at my other best friend and we're like, well, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> but her boyfriend cheated and they broke up uh, about a month and a half after I left on the road trip. And it like broke my heart. I was like, oh my God, this is like my sister and I can't even be there for her. And she just did a 180 and she lost 
all that weight. And she looks like a supermodel. She was in People Magazine around Memorial Day weekend for being one of the people that lost over 100 pounds. She was on the Today Show. She looks like just ridiculous. Straight off the catwalk. Shout her, shout her out so we can our listeners can follow her and, and cheer her Yeah. On. Her name is Kristen McLaughlin. I think it's the same spelling as Sarah McLaughlin, like M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they look at Kristen McLaughlin on the Today Show, they'll see her and, um, and People uh, Magazine. She is such an inspiration to me. I'm like, I don't even, I just, it's amazing. I've been trying to lose the same seven pounds in my stomach since I was 14. <laughs> so I don't know how she just dropped a person. It's amazing. And she looks amazing. Like it's, I don't know. Anyway, so um, she is very, very funny, but she's not one to get sentimental. So it was really cool to hear she is having the sentimental moment. And I, you know, drove onto the ferry and this group of guys were kind of walking by. They were probably going on like some trip together or something. And they were just like, like, what's your story? Like, what's going on? I saw the champagne out there and I kind of like told them and they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like, let us buy you a beer and like went in. So that was like the first moment I was waving to my family as I was pulling away being like, what the heck have I just done? Right. And then these strangers walk up and it was just such a like, this is what it's going to be like. And it's going to be all these connections and you got to tell the story all the time and, you know, make the connections. And I get to the first house of strangers and they had, um, you know, a big, steak dinner and they had reached out to me the week before and I didn't know like I had planned like the first three stops I had no idea what I was doing I still don't usually and so I just kind of said you know I'll be there around four o'clock and I'm just going to be there a night because in the beginning I stayed only one night which is very stupid and um they're like we're going to invite two of our friends over and we were going to make dinner do you have any allergies and I was like oh yeah like I'm dairy and gluten-free and I'm vegan and they were like oh and I was like, I'm joking. Like, <laughs> there is no way I could do this trip if I had those issues. <laughs> I like it all. I eat and drink everything. I love all the animals. Like you just, you can't expect to go in people's homes and then have restrictions. So anyway, they had this huge steak dinner. They had their friends over and it was just, it was such a cool experience. They both worked in hospitals. So that was cool too. And I went to um, get my first story that next morning and the woman brought these two huge butternut squashes and said, you know, we have a really good garden this year. And I just thought we, I could give these to you to give to your host to like, thank her for hosting you. So it was like already all these moments that kept happening where not only were they thinking of me, they were, cause she gave me stuff for my car. They were thinking of the people that were thinking of me too. So it was a really, it was a good way to start. And not to say that like day five, I didn't break down and, you know, day seven, I didn't, you know, have this issue. And Christmas I was with strangers and got really, really sick. And like, you know, there have been many a challenge <laughs> But people literally come out of the woodwork every time something goes wrong and it's just, it kind of helps you get through. And yeah, it's kind of like I started the trip. I said what I wanted to do and without me realizing all across the entire country, the angels lined up and made it happen. Yeah. And now you're down to your last three states. Oh my gosh. So what do you have left? So Alaska and Hawaii and then New York, which is my home state. So I kind of saved it at the end. That's awesome. So you're going to be traveling more in these last two states than you pretty much have this entire time. So how does that look? So you got to fly now. And then what about your car? So there was an offer to send my car to to go to the States, but I think that's a stupid waste of money when there's like starving people in the world. So I'm actually going to rent their rent. Subaru is renting me an Outback. Cool. Um, Yeah. They were really cool. When they reached out to me, they wanted to help me as much as they could. And I, you know, I said I would take help here and there, but I 
I do not want to put a corporate stamp on something that I just worked three years to build on kindness. You know, like I don't, it's kind of like the concept of St. Jude's in Memphis. When Danny Thomas started that, he said, I'd rather have a dollar from a million people than a million dollars from one big organization. Mm, yeah. And that's how I built this trip. But I take, you know, help where I can. <laughs> and so they offered to rent me a blue Subaru app back in Alaska and Hawaii. So that'll be really cool. I just typed in because I am day by day over here. So I typed in Alaska into my search engine um, yesterday, literally at the airport. And whoever reached out from Alaska, I start making connections, see if the offer still stands to host me. I start looking at towns and areas and where I'll drive to. There's fires over there right now. So, you know, got to work around that. Also, it's Alaska, so it's huge. But yeah, just kind of starting to figure that out. And I'll fly there on September 10th. Did you ever want to give up? No. Oh, well, I mean, like, you know, you feel like you do. You feel like you want to take a nap for a hundred years. But there was never a thought that I wouldn't finish. Mm -hmm. When I had my Lyme disease, that was really hard. And I didn't want to get off the road because I felt like, like there were certain times for like three weeks where I did have to be off the road because I was on all this medication. I was really sick. So I couldn't be in a stranger's home. But once I was like enough where I wasn't sick, Physically, I was like, I got to get on the road because I'm going to, like, I started going into depression because I wasn't right. doing it. So I was like, I have to get back and start doing it. And so that was hard. But no, I've never thought like, oh, I did 25 states. That's good. Or, oh, I'm not going to finish. It's like, no, like we're in it now. Right. <laughs> finish the war. Yeah, exactly. So this might be an impossible question. So give me your best possible answer. One story in particular that's stands out to you or is on your heart in, in a huge way along this journey? So, you know, when I started, I kind of said, I thought, I mean, that the, the stories would be like the coffee story, but then, you know, you'd get to these areas and people would say, well, you should meet this person. Like they're doing this amazing thing. Or there was this little kid who had been diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, instead of going to Disney world or celebrating his remission in certain ways for himself, he wanted to collect a bunch of toys and bring them to the hospital to the kids that were stuck there. And he dressed up like Captain America and delivered a bunch of toys. So like I met with him and played tag and took a picture of him in his Captain America outfit. And then you, you know, you meet the people that donate kidneys to total strangers and you're like, how, how do you even exist? It's amazing. But I think the one that I always come back to the most is a story from a woman in Rhode Island, which was my second state like 40 years ago. And um, (laughs) I remember she had been a bank teller one summer and she was having a really bad day. It was visible on her face. She was like, I don't know, 26 or something at the time. And another person came in, another young girl, and she was withdrawing money. And she looked up at the bank teller and was like, are you okay? You look like you're having a hard day. And she said, oh yeah. She was really embarrassed. So she's like, you know, nothing some M&Ms won't fix when I get out of work later. And they laughed and the woman left. And then 30 minutes later, that customer walked back in, slid a bag of M&Ms under her window and walked out. And she never saw her again. She told her kids and her grandkids, she was telling me this story 30 years later. And, you know, when I started, I thought maybe her boyfriend broke up with her or, you know, she stubbed her toe and 10 minutes before that. But now it's like, I talked to hundreds and thousands of people across the country. Maybe her uncle died in a car accident the night before, or she got diagnosed with cancer that week. Like you don't know. And it was just such a tiny, a bag of M&Ms and people think like, when we think of an act of kindness, it is like those people donating a kidney or, you know, someone paying for someone's college, but it doesn't ha- it can be these tiny, tiny little moments. And we're all capable of those. And we can all do that stuff. And we should be doing it a lot more and we need to be doing it a lot more right now. And you don't know, I mean, some guy bought my friend a coffee six years ago. He didn't even buy me a coffee. 
And I have stopped my life for the last three years. And I'll never know that person. And he'll never know me. He'll never know that he, he impacted me to do this or anything. But you have to believe that when you do these things, that you're putting that out there. You're just putting more good out there. If you're going to complain that there's so much bad out there, then start being the good, <laughs> you know, and, and take action and just kind of try to turn it around. <laughs> Absolutely. So when can we see this book? When do you think it will all come together? Lord almighty. So I have not had any time to write it. I try to get posts, but every post I do, there's like 20 posts that I didn't post just because I'm always with strangers. Like you finish a whole day of strangers and you go into a new stranger's home and then you're like up with them. And then they offer you some wine and you say, sure, because your health is shot anyway. (laughs) So yeah, it's been a very long journey, but I try to write some posts sometimes when I stop at like, you know, a rest stop and I I'm going to have to put it kind of all together at the end. And it's really two books now. It's the book for the hospitals and it's, it's my journey and how mm-hmm. I did this and all the kindness I received along the way. But I'm hoping by the holidays, 2020, I feel like it has a good ring to it. I like and that. I, holidays, 2020. Yeah. I want to do something like, you know, Tom's shoes where you buy a pair of shoes, it donates a pair. Mm-hmm. So like, because people are like, I want this in my home. And so I thought it'd be cool to buy a book and then you would donate one and it would, you could pick what state and what hospital if you have a connection to a certain hospital. I love that. That's such a great idea. Such an awesome way to keep that, like your legacy of what you're doing going, that pay it forward, that process. So after all is said and done, what's the vision? What's, what's next? You're going to do this through Europe? What's the deal? Oh gosh, a very long nap. Um, <laughs> so, so actually I would like to do a separate project. I have to figure out how to properly finance this one though, because I will not be living with strangers anymore <laughs> or out of my car. But um I would like to do something where I couple my wedding photography with more good and call it more love and do love stories of people, how they met, maybe their first date, maybe, you know, a group of best friends. Like there was one woman I did a story on in the beginning and she had brain cancer and her husband kind of like wasn't very helpful and kind of backed out. And her three best friends like stepped up to the plea and they started running five Ks with her and they like were all smokers and drinkers. And they were like, you know, doing all this stuff with her and that's their love story. And so kind of like the concept of these love stories across the world and maybe do video. Cause I don't do video with this cause it's so personal and intimate and everyone's crying, usually me. And so <laughs> I feel like if you do these little three minute vignettes of like them sitting on their couch, talking about her, or their kitchen table or, you know, whatever. And that was inspired by Janine Block. Do you follow her story at all? I know Janine. Yeah. So the way that her and her husband got together, I mean, I was there for all of it and um, we stayed really close and it's just a phenomenal story. And it was her and her at the time fiance came when I moved to the Caribbean right after my mom died, which sounds really glamorous. It was terrifying. Um, and so <laughs> they came to visit me so I could do their engagement shoot. And I just really got to spend a lot of time with them. And, and I had always been close with her in college, but I didn't really know him as well. And, and I did these pictures and I kept thinking, here's these photos of these two people and they're on a mountain and she looks a beautiful peach colored dress. And he looks like this tall strapping man with his cowboy hat and it's far away. And it's like, anyone that sees this picture is going to be like, wow, like that's a beautiful photo. How lucky for them. Like what a fancy moment. And like, they look like beautiful people. They are not seeing that he has a fake eye or half his face got blown off in war or, you know, what they've been through. They don't know their story and how, like how much they deserve this moment on a mountain, even though there's mosquitoes everywhere and it's a hundred degrees, you can't see them in the picture. (laughs) And I thought I got to write this. Like you have to narrate these photos. And their story was just so powerful. And it was always my favorite shoot I ever did. And, and they were just one of my favorite stories. And so that was kind of my inspiration behind More Love. Mary, I'm just a little 
I'm so taken aback by all of it that I don't have much to say. Like, I feel like I'm just going to get really emotional. I'm insanely proud of everything you've done. And to even just be able to say like, I know her, she's doing it. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And it's so, you just see how you're changing the world. You're changing how people view the world. And then I can't even imagine once this gets into people's hands, who didn't get to be a part of the physical journey with you, it will continue on forever. Like this is your impact and your legacy and clearly your mother's, your mother's legacy. And it's just such a gift you're giving to all of us. And on behalf of the scaling up community and because I'm neurotic about health and health optimization, if you have a stable address where we can send you something, We'd like to send you a gift basket of all things health to help you in recovery after this journey because we know that you've taken a toll, your body's taken a toll making, this is a sacrifice. This was uh, a vocation that you had to live out. It was on your heart and to kind of help you get back to (laughs) functioning status. We'd like to- Very much appreciate that. (laughs) Yes. Like to send you something. So maybe- when it's the right time after your jet setting of these last few states, when you get back to your home state, let's connect so I can send that out to you because it's it's something that I think will really, really, really help you ongoing the way that you're you're doing for so many people. It's just amazing. Thank you so, so much, both for your time today. I know your schedule is chaos, but more than that, for the perspective and the gift of that perspective and, and everything that you're putting forth. It's just out of this world. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for highlighting it. Yeah. All right. Well, you keep doing, doing good, more good. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, Take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.